0: Hey everybody, John Ramstad here with Sandra Crawford Williamson, and today we're talking about um, a topic that I have seen hold so many and so many people back, and that is imposter syndrome. And what imposter syndrome is, if you haven't heard it from uh, uh, about it before, and that is, uh, you know, when we start internalizing um, our accomplishments and we have this fear of being exposed as a fraud, and we don't think we're good enough, or we think maybe some things that have happened are, are just lucky, Um, And what it does, Sandra, it forces us actually to not step out and actually uh, do what we are meant to do, doesn't it?
1: Absolutely. I mean, it can rob us of our ability to use our gifts to do what the Lord's called us to do. I mean, um, and, you know, that's that's what the world does. Right. The world tells us we're not good enough. You're not smart enough. You're not pretty enough. You're not successful enough. Um, you're not a good enough leader, you're not a good enough coach, whatever it is. And, you know, imposter syndrome is when you start listening to that stuff and then you internalize it and you believe it. So this is just a great podcast for, for every single human being, because we all have self doubt and we all have, you know, we all have to wake up every morning and put our pants on, go out into the world. So I mean, it's just, it's a great, super authentic way to talk about how to be all you were created to be and above and beyond.
0: Yeah. So today, everybody, uh, we're bringing on Liz Ronnie, uh, who I got to meet. She's an amazing coach and woman. She founded the leadership coaching group. Um, she right now, she's just a very incredibly dynamic person, but man, her personal story from college to some things that she did early in her career, but then finding herself in a situation where she was just frozen with fear and just locked in this imposter syndrome. And she she talks about it and, and puts it into words the way that so many people that are struggling with it are you know just struggle to even articulate. And then and then we just have this amazing conversation. Man, Sandra, the time just flew by about, you know, not only recognizing it, but what to do next, how to get out of it, but then also just step into operating from a different place that's going to just serve you powerfully. So if you guys love this, uh, you know, share, you know, share this episode with somebody. um, And also we'd love to hear a thought from you. And I'd really encourage you to just get in contact with Liz after this uh, interview, but you guys are going to love this one. All right, everybody, today on the Eternal Leadership Podcast, I'm excited to bring a, a new friend of mine, uh, Liz. How are you, Liz?
2: Awesome, John. How are you?
0: Awesome. Liz Ronnie, she has the Leadership Coaching Group Podcast, and we met through a great friend of ours, Darren Shearer, who has uh, a book publishing, You and he published your first book and a friend of our Ford Taylor's book, and that's how um, I'd actually met Darren through the podcast quite a while ago. and. As I got to know you, Liz, and heard your story and everything that you've been through um, at your age, I'm like, oh my gosh, we, we have to have you on to share some really powerful things um, just about this journey you had from college to, to kind of exploring the world, but just really kind of getting stuck in what I call this trap of mediocrity that so many find us in, uh, ourselves in, in the world. Uh, I actually saw a study that Barna did recently. Um, Sandra and Liz, that said 87% of people are just unfulfilled with their life. I mean, that is a huge number. And, the, and of those 13% uh, that are fulfilled, I think there was only 3 or 4% that actually feel like they're actually living life to the full. And so we have a lot of work to do. And I know that this is a an area that just you experienced personally, Liz, that you went through some really some stuff we'll call it right <laughs> that <laughs> uh, works <laughs> some stuff uh, which really created some just really powerful I think awareness and led you to what you're doing now so that's what we're going to be talking about as you're listening in but I, I'd love to you know for you to kind of bring back and uh, just kind of share with people some you know your journey a little bit about your story so people can get to know you a little bit and then we're gonna dive into not only you know kind of where we're at but how do we get to a place that's much more meaningful and joyful in our lives.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And that's what it all comes down to. So I'm very happy to st- share my story with um, you and Sandra and your amazing listeners. But at the end of it, the whole point is that going through these things really helped me learn how to get closer to that 13% to be a little more fulfilled with life and then to show other people how they can get there too. So some of this stuff is kind of heavy, but the reason I'm sharing it is because there's a very happy story at the end of it. And I think that there's a lot of really good lessons at the end of it. So I just want to start with a high note because I think that's important. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, what I had kind of an interesting um, experience and and I didn't think it was that interesting at the time. But um, when I was younger, I was in college. I was very blessed, very lucky to spend a year of my undergrad in London um, and finished uh, school in Denver. And then um, I moved to South Korea to teach English, which had nothing to do with my business degree. (laughs) And after that experience, I just felt a little bit behind. You know, I had just pursued this private education for business and thought that I should be doing the business world thing. So I just jumped in and kind of took the first job that took me.
0: And no, I got to ask you a question, though, because here's here's a uh, you got all this potential. You've just put in all this time into school in London and, and Denver University, which is a, I mean, that's where Condoleezza Rice went. It's just an amazing institution. Instead of jumping into business, though, you followed your heart and went to Korea, um, I mean, that's, that's like a kind of a left field kind of thing. I'm sure your friends are like, Liz, what are you thinking? So, I, I, you know, before you get into, you know, jump into the, what happened in the corporate side, what, what was your thought process there? Yeah,
2: so it, it, it was an interesting one. And I have no problem admitting that most of the stories that I'm going to tell you early in this show, um, they probably came from a lot of lack of experience and a lot of moving before thinking. But <laughs> I had a really amazing time modeling throughout college. So I had some really great, really well-known uh, modeling contracts. I mean, I was on Yahoo and Absolute Vodka. And, you know, I had these these really great um, experiences with some jewelry companies, um, Carolyn Pollock, really amazing things. But I kind of put myself in a world where it was a little superficial. And I felt that it was a little shallow. And so after spending some time in London, um, I really got bit hard by the travel bug. So when it's coming closer to graduation, I thought, you know, I should really travel a little bit more and see some more of the world and get some experiences beyond what just feels like not enough. And I remember reading a book about writing a book, which was something that was always on my heart to do. And it said, you have to write about what you know. And there wasn't much that I felt like I had to share. I I didn't think that I knew enough. And I knew that I needed some more experiences. So I was putting my CV out there um, to all these Euro job sites. And... I had no luck whatsoever getting a job in Europe. But then Korea kind of popped up, and, and I always say Korea picked me. So they were looking for native English speakers, and really all you needed was a college degree from um, an English-speaking country. And so I thought, well, this, this does seem like sort of an interesting opportunity. And there was a very small town in rural South Korea that n- desperately needed some help with some English teachers. They didn't have a lot of money, and there weren't a lot of Westerners there. So I decided that I would be their person. And um, it all moved very fast right after graduation. Um, I think about two months after, I was on an airplane to South Korea um, to a very small town that's known for uh, growing ginseng. And that's about it, so a small farm town. And uh, that was a hard experience, John, I have to tell you. Um, I didn't speak Korean uh, going into this experience. I didn't know much, too much about the country. But they're lovely people. They're so warm. The children were amazing. And that was probably one of the most grounding experiences of my life that made me very appreciative of the things that we have a tendency to gloss over in our everyday lives.
0: Yeah. Plus, you had to learn a love of kimchi, too, didn't you?
1: <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know there were so many types of kimchi. <laughs> <laughs> and and from what I understand, you you sort of changed your philosophy a little bit while you were there.
2: Yeah, it did have a pretty big impact on me. Um, a lot of philosophies, I think, changed while I was out there. First and foremost, um, I, think, I think that it gives you a little bit of a grounding. When, when you put yourself in situations where you know that you're not in control, it reminds you who is. And so I spent a lot of time in prayer and just really kind of getting back in touch with my value system after college, again, I I was kind of in a superficial world. So that really brought me back down to my core in that regard. Um, I probably could have used a little more time doing that at that age. I mean, I I was barely 21 while I was there. But um, yeah, that did help kind of shape my philosophy, not only on myself, but having a global perspective. And, And I think when you travel... And you put yourself, it can't be a week-long trip, right? When you put yourself in a situation where you live where the native or local people live, you experience life as they do, you you learn that you just have to watch and and let other people show you the way that they do things. And that was probably one of the most formative things to changing my career to being a coach that could have ever helped me because I couldn't have all the answers. I had to learn how other people did things. I had to... Learn to appreciate that and see that they had a, a wealth of experience and knowledge that I had no idea even existed. So, yes, I'd say that was very formative, Sandra, absolutely.
1: Yeah, it's it's interesting when you get to a point in your life when you realize you're not all that. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, if I could just summarize that. I mean, I had that experience when I was in Manhattan on September 11th. Um, you know, I thought I was all that. And then in that very moment, you, you know, you realize everything you're chasing and everything you've worked for is literally blowing down the street. So, you know, you're in you're in Southeast Asia teaching people English, and all of a sudden you realize, wow, you know, I went to a great school, and I'm pretty smart, and I'm pretty cool, and all that, but wow. You see yourself, I think, in a global perspective rather than a, you know, a small pond perspective, um, and that, that change in outlook of how significant you are is is pretty profound
2: oh absolutely wow well, i can't imagine being that close to 9-11 when it happened that must have been terrifying
1: it was it was my what my watershed moment for sure you know so, those pictures liz of
0: of people walking out of the rubble covered with dust you can you can you can tell that they're human but that's mm-hmm. about the only distinguishing characteristic because they're just so covered with ash and paper and everything, and that that was that was Sandra. Uh, She was one of those people, and and you had an incredible epiphany in that moment, didn't you, Sandra?
1: I did, and it sounds very similar to what Liz is describing. You know, I I had my rule was no pets, no plants, no boys, because I was (laughs) going to you know conquer the world of business and was doing pretty well. It made the cover of the Wall Street Journal at 34, running a global company. And um, <clears throat> in that moment, as, you know, that, that first tower collapsed, we all turned and began running north, but the the gray cloud um, caught up with us. And in that moment, the Lord just, oh, I just had this clear, you know, it, I don't think he spoke to me out loud. I think it was just, the, you know, his still small voice in my head was, Everything you were chasing, you know, an hour ago is now literally useless and blowing down the street because there were millions of pieces of paper and currency just blowing in the wind. And, um, you know, everything you were chasing is blowing in the wind and now you all look the same, which is how it is in eternity. When you're standing before me, you all look the same. All those trophies and labels and fancy purses and nice shoes don't really matter. And uh and so that was sort of the you know, turning point in, in my life that led me down the path of marriage and children and and changing my philosophy on work and leadership. And so it sounds like Southeast Asia was that that moment for you when you see yourself, you know, through God's eyes and not through your own eyes. I'd say it was
2: the tip of the iceberg, but wow, yeah. that going through nine eleven, I mean that's such an extreme I'm I'm so grateful that, that you were okay, and, and I can't imagine how long that would have taken to just emotionally uh, decompress from. I, that that's that's really that's really big. Um, and Korea wasn't wasn't that intense. Um, the corporate world sort of did that to me in a in a, a brutal way later. But um, but you're right. It, it did start. It did start that thought process, and it, and uh,
1: it it does give you perspective. Absolutely. Well, let's talk about that though. You come back um, from Korea and you go into the corporate world Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, you're feeling great. You've got this great background and, you know, super smart and, and have these great experiences and, you know, but the, the corporate world wasn't all, it was cut up, cut out to be in, in the beginning for you, was it?
2: It wasn't. And, you know, I take a lot of responsibility for that to, to some extent anyway, um, because, I started working for one of the worst types of corporate environments that um, I eventually learned to know, and I fell into all the caps that a person without vision and focus can fall into. So I largely took the first job that took me without checking to see if the organization's values aligned with my own. So if I had one piece of advice to offer to someone who's looking for a new job, regardless of the level of career they're in, that's probably the first thing I would say, check out and check out very closely. Um, because in my case, they, they very much did not. Uh, the employees I worked with were were crude, they drank too much, they were ethically unstable. And quite frankly, they championed stabbing anyone in the back if it meant that it would get them ahead. Uh, to some extent, I started to copy some of their behaviors in certain ways, but in my naivete, I didn't realize that there were certain rules for some and less flexible rules for others, and, and I wasn't some of the chosen some. Uh, I'd say I compromised my time completely with work. I became very ill. I was underweight, which isn't something that I ever thought I'd consider negative, um, until other symptoms started showing up. I mean, I I didn't know that I was depressed probably until very recently. I don't think I understood exactly what depression was. But uh, I broke out into shingles. I developed gout. Basically, my 25-year-old body was acting decades older than it was, and I truly believe that if my physical state didn't kill me, my emotional state would have led me down a road that most would consider unforgivable. And that's not the right way to live life.
1: Yeah, I mean, I kind of think about it as you went into an environment that you hadn't really checked out ahead of time. And instead of you forming your environment within that company to match your value system, you sort of changed to match their value system. And then because that wasn't God's will, I mean, and it was destructive, that sort of led you down this path of, of mental and health issues, right? Is that a good sort of summary? Oh, that's exactly right. Yes. yes. I've never heard of someone in their 20s having gout before. Or so, shingles. <laughs> or shingles, yes. Yeah. So, I mean, when you show up at your doctor's office and you've got gout and shingles, what does the doctor say to you?
2: Oh, Sandra, that's one of those things. I think that our our medical system has some interesting um, twists and turns to it. But, um, <laughs> you know, it, they can write a prescription. I, I think that um, more importantly than what the doctor said, which wasn't much, was talking to my mom, who who is a really positive influence. Um, she taught me everything that I know about faith and spirituality, and um, and and she sort of just had a conversation with me about, you know, what are what are you trying to accomplish. And I didn't have a good answer for her. And I didn't know where I was trying to go with this, except for the fact that I realized I had sacrificed so much of myself that I thought I better be the best at this job that I can be, because look at all these things that are happening around me. So it it was too wimpy of a, it wasn't a good why, right? That everybody's always talking about now what to find your why. My why wasn't a real why at that time, right? It was it was just um it, it it was it was a short-sighted type of thing so as i dug into that a little bit more i thought you know this isn't the right place for me i shouldn't be here but i didn't listen to that still small voice i didn't listen when I was praying for that guidance, so guess what happened? Fast forward, a couple of months, and and again, this was a bad environment, and I had a horrible manager. But this is kind of like if you were to write a what not to do book, I have a perfect model for it, <laughs> and um, and so, you know, I was off doing some huge project. I had to travel out of state. I was still in the office at seven o'clock at night. Um, he called me and made some of the most inappropriate comments. You know, these are things that you think only happen in the movies that can never happen to me kind of thing I did. And, and when I wouldn't comply with what he had in mind, um, he fired me on the spot. So wow. I had been told, you know, I believe God was telling me, get out of here. You don't want to be here. It's time for you to go. You don't belong here. I didn't listen. I got sick you know, as you said, physically and um, emotionally. And then I was greeted with this really wonderful reward of being fired. And I was always like the good kid and had good grades. And so it's like, but you can't do that to me. I I couldn't, I couldn't believe that this had happened, but what a blessing it was. I mean, really, if, if I hadn't gone through that experience and if I hadn't really kind of felt shattered in a million, million pieces, I might've still thought that I was in control. But the fact of the matter is that's, that's not the truth, right? And and thank goodness, because as humans, I don't think that we always make the best decisions. So it ended up being a good thing, and and I can tell you, it, it taught me some lessons. Because when I talk to people, you know, my work now is just really based on not only my personal experiences, which were a little colorful, but also just having conversations with others. And I, I come from a place of compassion and and trying to listen to them. And I realize. Many of us start the day with a weight on our chest. We struggle to get up. We begin by feeling hopeless. And then we realize that we need that job we feel chained to. And so we feel helpless. We feel trapped in our lives and our worlds. And we think that's just the nature of things. We think that because we have a slightly nicer car than average or because some statistic somewhere says we make more money than some, that this is all there is. And I think we're terrified that maybe we don't deserve what we have now. And so if we leave the job we hate, we might somehow end up with less. And a lot of people would call this imposter syndrome, which is a term that's used to describe a psychological pattern where people doubt their accomplishments and have an internalized fear that they're not good enough and that they might be exposed as a fraud somehow. And when this fear manifests itself in so many ways, I I have a personal belief system that anything grown out of fear is dangerous and it's often toxic. And knowing how that toxicity sort of manifests, as, as I saw in my own life, has made me very sympathetic to others and helping them kind of not make the same mistakes, right? To not fall in the rut of the road most traveled or kind of the ways of the world. And without those experiences, I think it's hard to relate to people in a way that's really genuine. So it's taken years, but I have a lot of gratitude for that now.
0: Well, Liz, I'd, I'd love to unpack that a little bit, right? This, you know, The question I was going to ask you is, hey because I've been there, right? You're stuck in this situation and you didn't listen to that internal voice. You talked about kind of the imposter syndrome, but this mindset that almost kind of grows out of fear that then kind of becomes our our this this flawed operating system that we're working out of. Um, what, you know, you got fired. Um, what do you think shifted the most in maybe your you know, the internally that allowed you to, because I know the next organization you went to was a much different experience. And then that led you into coaching. Um, You know, people that can just relate to what, what you just shared right now, what are, and and they're not fired yet, (laughs) or maybe they're not going to (laughs) be fired, but they're stuck. They're not listening. You know, uh, Sandra, I know you've, you this, you've been in that same situation before. Let's help people out listening. Like how do we get unstuck and start listening So we can actually move into something better.
2: Yeah. um, So I think there's a couple things. I think one, again, figuring out that why, figuring out what, what do you really feel like you are here to accomplish in this world? And sometimes that's hard because when you're head underwater, it's hard to see those things. Right. And I'm very sympathetic to that. So one of the things that I coach people on is finding those bright spot moments. So, There are those times when you just feel like, hey, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. I'm relating to people. I feel like I'm doing God's work. This feels blessed. It's the right thing to do, even if it's not your day job, even if it's not, you know, on a regular basis. See when you have those moments and write them down. It sounds cheesy, but really write them down. There's things in cognitive psychology that say that it really helps us process when we write things down and look back on those and kind of start to identify some trends. And those are sort of your bright spot moments and see if you can replicate some of the events or interactions when you had those bright spots. I think that you get to a place to say, hey, I'm supposed to be here to help people, right? So then you do the five whys. Ask, well, why is that important? And then ask yourself the why four more times and you get to this core element of really understanding, hey, here's my calling. And it can help to work through, I mean, with me, I I worked with my mom, right? (laughs) And she helped me figure that out. But you can use a coach, you can use a good friend, you can use a parent, whatever. I do think that it helps to have that conversation with someone because they won't let you take the easy answer. (laughs) That was true for me. They just help you push yourself to be as intellectually and heart-centered in this exploration as you can be. And um, so I think that's the first thing, really figure out, and, and get help with it, but figure out what you want to do with this world and get in touch with those values. And I'd say no matter what, that's going to be a first step.
0: That's awesome. And how about you, Sandra? I know you've been stuck in those, some of those same, same, same places in life at different times.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think, you know, the imposter syndrome is very, uh, very alive and well and, and a lot of executive women's lives um you know because we're hardest on ourselves as women um you know we often don't look like everybody else in the room we often have other responsibilities that other people don't have and and so I can definitely relate and I will tell you um it's gonna sound so simple but I surrounded myself with a group of encouragers. I mean, they're Sandra cheerleaders. They're Sandra encouragers, cheerleaders. They pour, you know, they sort of just tap me on the shoulder and remind me. You know, um, I have one I met with last week, and she literally had printed my bio off of my website, and she just said, "I want you to read this out loud." And I read my own bio out loud. And I started weeping because, you know, you go through your daily life and you're you're trying to do so much. You're trying to meet a wife and a mother and it's teacher appreciation week at school. And there's three school programs and two nights and this and that and the other and the baseball tournament and my clients and the podcast and my house is a mess and my car looks like, you know, a family of 17 are living in it. And at the end of the day, you just sort of feel like a failure, right? Because none of it is as as well as I would like it to be. Because I'm an you know I'm a perfectionist. I want things to be amazing. Um, and so I read that bio out loud, and I and it was just this moment of wow. Um, and so you know I think people out there that are listening to this, go create your cheerleader squad. And, you know, three to eight people that just love you and are going to support you, but that are also going to be tough with you and, and say, you know what, stop feeling sorry for yourself, suck it up, get back out there. Right. Um, and, and so that is something that I recommend for all my clients. You know, let's make a list, let's find your cheer squad. Um, and then the second thing I always have to remember is go back to God's word, go back to, to God's word and, you know, the, the verse I've been focusing on this week is, um, uh, you know, Romans 12, 1 through 6, and, you know, we're talking about we are, we are offering ourselves as a living sacrifice and that we're not to conform to the pattern of the world, um, and that verse is all really about giftedness, right? Think of yourself with sober judgment and accordance with the faith God has distributed to each of you. Um, You know, we form one body. Each member belongs to all the others. We have different gifts according to the grace given to each of us. So if your gift is prophesizing, then do it. If your gift is this, then do it. If your gift is this, then do it. And so, you know, I have to constantly go back to God's Word and go back to Ephesians 2.10. You know, how did He create me? What did He create me to do? And I better get off my butt and do it. Right. That's my that's my Sandra version of Ephesians (laughs) two (laughs) ten. So you know, so those you know, find my cheerleader squad, um, and and go back to God's word and just try to always remember the purpose because you know we're we're just here for a speck of time, and so we have got to to look at this as a sense of urgency, right? And and that. There's no time to sit around feeling sorry for ourselves. There's no time, you know, to wait for somebody to ring our doorbell and say, here it is. Here's God's will and purpose for your life. Here's steps one through 712. Go do it. I mean, that's not going to happen. So, you know, people need to discover their gifts. They need to define what that giftedness is, you know, wherever it's planted today and they need to develop them i think that's that's something that, that you know if i had to come up with a third thing find your cheerleader squad go back to god's word and remember why you're created and number 3 develop your gifts because i think sometimes we tend to say oh well i'm a i'm a gifted speaker god gave me that gift well guess what you can always get better and the 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 environment is constantly changing because you have to keep going you have to um, not be offended when you get feedback, you have to not feel left out when you're not chosen, um, you know, so First Peter 2.8, a stone of stumbling and a rock of offense, right? They are the easiest reason to just give up and feel left out and to stop developing, so we have to constantly be focusing on that. And then deploy them, you know? Okay. Remember that we are doing it for Jesus, we're not doing it for applause or money or accolades or trophies or slaps on the back or you know, so we can buy the big house and the nice car because the applause is always going to stop because if you're addicted to that applause and that's where you're doing it, you have to do bigger and bigger things to keep it going, bigger and bigger. It's like being uh, addicted to drugs. You have to get a bigger dose and a bigger dose and a bigger dose. Well, that doesn't end well. And it's the same way if you're doing it, you know, for applause and accolades and money because there's never enough. It's always going to run out at some point. But Jesus' love for us and His plan for us never runs out. And so, you know, I ha- I come back to constantly, um, you know, sometimes I have to hit myself in the head with a hammer to, to remind myself of that because we're still living in the fallen world, right? Um but that's a really long answer, John. You probably didn't. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> I, I was on a roll, but um, yeah, you know that That's what I do.
0: Well, let, let me share this too. I think you know. I think the you know one of the foundational pieces here, if anybody's listening, is really uh, you know as you're listening to what Liz and Sandra just said, is like, wow, can I relate to some of that? So that's you know the first step starts with maybe acknowledging that I actually have some mindset things, right? I'm stuck in this place. I'm putting up with things. I really think that if we're operating out of a place where we have, you know, a lot of stress and anxiety, um, that is happening because we are, ha- we are being forced to operate from a place that's really um, uh, violating some of our core values internally. And, you know, when, when, when we're, you know, feeling some of those, right? And here's how I work with clients in this area. So we acknowledge that. And so a situation comes up, right? Your your boss tells you, Liz, you know, you got to stay late to get this project done or you got to be in this situation. You know, what is that first thought that you have? Maybe it's being resentful. And then what is that? Because a thought always leads to a feeling in my body, right? It could be anger, could be joy, whatever it happens to be. But then we take our actions out of that thought and that feeling. So, you know, a common... Um, action you know, feeling that happens internally is anger, right? And in our, in our uh, you know, that can be passive aggressive, that can be getting in somebody's face. And so, you know, when, when Christ talks about in that verse in Romans, right, transform your mind and how to transform your mind sometimes is really challenging. So what I have clients do is, is write down as they notice these, uh, people think that anger just happens. No, there's a, something that precedes it. There's a thought. It's how I react to a situation, a lot of that's informed with our our you know how we're thinking, our life experiences, our identity. And if I write down what is that, and, and this comes from transformational leadership, but our, our that thought, that feeling, that action that I just took, and then I, then I write down what is the outcome that action had on maybe my my marriage, my kids, my my business, and was that something that served me well with what I'm trying to do or not? And what I had to do is actually write down a different, when that same event happens next time, how do I want to think, how do I want to feel, and how do I want to act? And some of the choices we might have to make, Liz, right, is to say, you know what, Um, the action I need to take is actually to maybe courageously step out and do something different, work for a different organization, maybe change my career completely, which is what you and I both, actually all three of us ended up doing <laughs> over time. Um, but, you know, it's it's actually taking some time sometimes to slow down in order to get some clarity about kind of where we're at and where we want to go that gives us the courage to move forward. Now, Liz, as, as you did that, you know, you get fired. You're You're moving forward into... Uh, something new, something next. Um, you know, how did you approach that? Different? Did you approach it differently this time than you did the first time? Oh yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Share a little bit about how you did that.
2: Um, so that's that's like the highlight of the story, right? It's like you do things wrong, but you learn from it. So okay, it's not so bad this time. But um, I it, completely in line with what both you and Sandra were saying um, is both getting support from good people and changing mindset. And that's exactly what I did. And I agree with you both completely on that. I needed to know what I wanted to achieve. But on the flip side, I needed confidence to believe that after falling very hard and proverbially shattering into a million pieces that I could get up. So by having, you know, I spent a lot of time in the ward a lot um, with my mom, with some really good family friends. um, And they, they helped build me back up. So that I could not only just get up, but do something more than I'd ever done before. And even after being treated so horribly by other people, realizing that I needed to dedicate that work to other people. So all of us are different, but we, uh, Sandra, John, you and I, and the audience that I believe would listen to your show have something radical in common. We have a common belief in a higher power. We have an inheritance of God-given blessing and therefore, we have a responsibility to be of use through God's direction and to help take care of his children, which are on this earth. So I I believe that and I believed that then. So I had to spend some time thinking about what that meant. And when it came from a place of responsibility and a place of abundance, all of a sudden I realized there was so much more to not having a job didn't matter, you know not having a perfect resume all of a sudden didn't matter. There was something that I was supposed to be doing that I could do for other people. And imagine the people that had it worse than I did or mm. the people that have so much more to offer and they don't have to go through this pain. It was really hard to get up. But I was really lucky because I had people there that just loved on me. And not everyone has that all the time. And so then it was it was really important. It was sort of like a mission, right? <laughs> so um, I, I guess that's that's sort of what it, what it was for me. It made me realize that I'm supposed to help others not to experience this pain, to help them find their vision and their purpose. And, you know, they say by teaching, you really learn. <laughs> so as I was talking to some younger people in my life and, and some others that would listen to me um, periodically, it helped me really develop that vision and develop that mission and realign with my values by helping them do it, right? So by extending a hand to someone else, they really end up teaching you and helping you a lot more. So I, I'd say that was sort of the, the pivoting point for me. By doing that and doing the work and realizing what was important, um, it just helped really solidify that new mindset and that new sort of mission-based life. And so sometimes you just have to get to work, even if you don't know, like Sandra said, you don't know every single step, right? But you can at least leave. <laughs> you can take the first step. You may not have arrived yet, but at least, you know, you're on your way and just sort of trust that the light's going to shine where it's supposed to. And, and I can at least speak personally and say, for me, it sure did.
0: Yeah. Now, now Liz, l- let's make an assumption uh, that people out there take the time. We, we wrote, an e- we think it's so important. We wrote an ebook on how to find your core values. And I think, uh, you know, that that really informs kind of who we be as a person because that should inform the doing, right? And I think we have to get that in alignment with our passions, our gifts, our strengths, um, our skills. Um, What do you, what works when you are, you know, uh, meeting an organization that you might want to work for, take a job for, to figure out if who they are, their culture, their people are in alignment uh, once you have an awareness, you know, kind of that first step of emotional intelligence, self-awareness. Of kind of who you are in the environment that you want to be part of how do you how do you do that well so you're stepping into a place and giving yourself the best chance to to really thrive
2: well i think that this answer would probably frustrate a lot of people but it, it sometimes it's the most simple things you just have to ask i mean i have no problem telling people this is what i believe in right this is what I stand for and see what their reactions are. Because if it is horribly out of alignment, they'll scoff at you. Um, For the company that I had a bad experience with, they outwardly fired our secretary because she uh, had a very strong Christian faith. And they said that she was a liability, not to her after they fired her. When she left, they were like, well, she's a liability. So that just saved us. People will tell you what they're about and what they think. And so sometimes you just have to ask and you have to listen and and take it for what it is. You know, I think a lot of people out there want to assume the best in people. And that's a, that's a beautiful thing. And I I don't want people to lose that. But at the same time, if someone tells you, you know, out and out that they stand for something different, it, it is okay to listen to them and to believe them. So I think it's just having a conversation. So asking them, what do you believe in? How do you view your people? I've met with several organizations that really don't like their people and i have a big problem with that right i mean if your job is to work with them and nurture them but they're sort of a nuisance to you you've, you've got some problems so it's just having that real conversation with them and then telling them hey this is what i'm about and 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 seeing where it matches and if they don't have the emotional intelligence or sort of the experience that's where you have to be the leader right and say i know that this isn't a good fit like this is my job to know better and i've done the thought work and I've, I've said the prayers and I've looked at this closely and, and it just put it out there. I mean, there's nothing wrong with the truth. We can do it respectfully and we can do it with love, but I think we have to do it. And sometimes you do have to say it out loud and that's how I've approached it.
0: Yeah. I think, you know, that's such a great point because I've hired literally hundreds and hundreds of people in my career in the, in, in people out there is you're showing up for an interview. Um, it's not just about them interviewing you for a job, um you need to, i always approached it that uh when it was when i was the one being interviewed that i'm also interviewing them if this is a place i want to be and as a hiring manager when people would ask me questions about culture and people and how we develop and what our vision is and what the role's going to be and you know how we show appreciation or anything in in that area i got to tell you that differentiates people i personally love that sandra i know you have hired a ton of people uh, what what are your what's your advice in that area
1: yeah I mean it's funny because listen said it, it's so simple but you have to just ask and and listen ask and listen ask seek and knock right um, what do you stand for here at this company or if you're interviewing someone um you know tell me tell me about your life I mean just open-ended questions are a great way when you're interviewing people um, you know to, to just let them let them talk. Because if you can ask some open-ended questions and just let people talk, you'll figure out what they're made of pretty quickly. Um, you know, how many times is it they say I? And <laughs> little things like that. But you have to listen and you have to decipher that. You know, it's, um, I completely, I had a very similar experience to Liz when I took a job out of, you um, I kind of panicked. I was maybe in imposter mode and I kind of panicked and and took this, you know, job because it was a great title and great money and it was was, uh, an easy commute. And, you know, within a week, I realized that my personal value system had no place (laughs) in their environment. It was kind of like, which one of these is not like the other? Um, and, And so, you know, I was confident enough to not let that go on too long and actually was able to turn it into a coaching situation for um the company's leadership you know as i as i left um you know so i think you have to know what your own personal value system is you have to look and listen and ask and then you have to have the courage when it isn't the right fit to go you know what this just isn't a good fit And, you know, you can do one of those, it's not about you, it's about me, you know, when you break up. But um, if that's easier, but don't stay because I think Liz is a great example of when you stay too long, that toxicity seeps into you. And, um, you know, we we want people to learn from her story and, and not have to go say, hey, I think I have gout at, you know, 26 because that is not healthy. Sure isn't.
0: <laughs> no, and then you then you can't wear any of those cool shoes. <laughs> <That's true.
2: laughs>
0: so, so, so Liz, how do people get in touch with you? How do they find more about what you know what you're doing now as a coach? You're working with some incredible organizations. I know you and I have worked with some some common clients that have some huge needs, and I know you're you're really moving the needle in, uh in some of these big cultures, uh, some big leadership challenges with just how you're approaching working with them. So how, how do people get in touch with you?
2: Oh, thanks, John. Um, well, they can always go to our website, which is under construction. And like with so many things, um, we'll hopefully soon be up and, and revamped. But our website is just the com. Um, there's two G's in that coaching group. Um, we're also on Instagram and Facebook under the same names. And um, yeah, you can just always send an email to info at the leadership coaching group and check out our podcast, uh, which is on iTunes and whatever your favorite uh, podcast platform is.
0: Awesome. So just, you know, as we wrap up, as people have just been listening to this whole conversation, I can't believe we've been talking so long because it's been just awesome. Uh, what just final thoughts, Liz, would you love to to, to leave with everybody?
2: Well, I guess what I would leave with everyone is that you have something so important to offer, and don't minimize that, whether it's a sense of humor or a compassion for people, whatever it is. um, Really, I, I want you to take a sense of ownership and almost responsibility that if you work towards being a glimmer of something positive in the future, that it can really help drive your personal endeavors to be the leader and the person that you want to be in this world. And I'll be praying for you. And you know, what you have to offer matters so, so much. So don't minimize it. Just own it. This is why you're here. And it is a beautiful thing, whatever it is. It's a beautiful thing. So don't ignore it.
0: Oh, what a great way to wrap up. And I'd love to everybody to kind of just join the conversation. Just go to the, uh, Eternal Leadership Facebook group will have a post on this. It'll also be on our uh, link to the show notes for everything that was mentioned here. And we'd love to just hear about your story, uh, what you're going through, and anything our whole community can do to just help you take that next step forward into that. I think that future that where you're just fully alive. Um, that's where we just love to see every we'd love to see everybody who's listened to this podcast part of that that 13 that's just tapped into the life god wants us to live so liz thank you sandra you guys were awesome uh what, what a great show
2: thank you guys so much